This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back. Thank you for making the show part of your Monday. Appreciate you as you kick off this NFL Combine Week. Should be a juicy news week out of the NFL. Here's what happens when everybody shows up in Indianapolis. Doesn't matter who throws, who doesn't, who's on the field, who decides not to be. You get a bunch of executives, coaches, media, scouts all mingling together. The stories are going to be bountiful. Some of them are accurate and legit. Some of it's going to be, you know, silly season. But it's going to be one of those weeks where every hour or so something breaks our, you know, way and, and we're dissecting what's going on at the Combine. What is your favorite, put you on the spot here, your favorite all-time Combine story related to Washington? Mine was the, yeah, it's fun that Scott McLuhan's not here. It turns out he's mourning somebody, that, and he wasn't at all, and it was just the whole thing was awkward, and everybody covered somebody it up, and it was is, awkward. They, they claimed he was... You know, his grandmother had passed, yep. only to then find out that it that was like months, months earlier before. and there had been a funeral already, and that was not really a thing. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official G&D show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Uh, let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Welcome on to the show. Ralph Vacchiano covers the NFC East for Fox Sports. Ralph, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Doing well. We saw your report on Sam Howell over the weekend and wanted to get you on to chat about it. So it sounds like you think there's interest in Howell around the league and that he's a possible trade chip for Washington if they choose him to be. Yeah, I do think so. You know, there are a few teams that like him. Um, they, you know, um, not going to love him. He's not going to excuse me, bring back a first round pick or anything, but obviously he showed some potential. He played well for, you know, seven, eight, nine games or so last season before he seemed to hit a little bit of a wall. And I think for the commanders, if they do end up taking a rookie quarterback, in the first, uh, first round, the second pick, or if they move up, or even if they move down and take one, I think you don't want Sam Howell to be sort of an afterthought on the team. He's not really a veteran backup who can help, a rookie, um, you'd probably have to have a veteran backup anyway, which then makes him a third stringer, and then you're just sort of wasting him. If you can then trade him to another team and get a third-round pick or so in return, I think that's a valuable thing to the Washington Commanders, assuming, again, that they take a quarterback at number two, which I do think they're going to do. 
Ralph, where, where, what kind of team would this fit for? In other words, my my thinking is if you're going to miss out on that top group of three, I mean, it's all out of the beholder stuff, obviously, it's the draft, and you don't see a great path to dra- drafting a signal caller you like, it might cost you a lot less to get a guy that's still on a rookie deal and maybe find out about him. So somebody that's in, you know, maybe outside the top 10 in the teens, hey, your thoughts on that, and what kind of teams might be interested now? Yeah, I think you're right that anybody who can't get a hold of a, a rookie quarterback, you know, one of those top four or five, has to at least think of him. Um, you know, you're, you're getting you're getting sort of a bonus. Not only do you get a guy that's on a rookie deal, but you get a guy who's played and been in the league for a couple of years. He's not going to go through the same, uh, you know, rookie mistakes and, and you know, rookie growing pains because he's already had that. You know, he threw for, what, 3,800 yards, whatever his total was, uh this season he's won a bunch of games he showed that he can handle himself so he's starting to get into the time where he would be you would think in a little bit of a comfort zone so uh you know just looking down through the draft um you know i don't think the giants would do it but they're you know if they didn't have a um daniel jones they're committed to him they're probably stuck you're looking at um a team like tennessee or atlanta if they're not committed to the quarterbacks that they have and they want to um, you know, decide to go with a young guy. Some of them uh, might be interested in that. I think really the, the team that jumps out to me really is the Jets because you've got a, a 40-year-old quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that they're committed to, but they don't know for how long. It could be one year, two years. It could be another two plays if he gets hurt again this season. They're in a position where they have to be thinking what's next. So it's a low-risk thing for them to bring in a Sam Howell, let him sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a year or so. You know, he might be, he'll be on his rookie deal at least for another year. And then, then you got to, you know, you have a choice to make whether you resign him or not, but you can grow and learn about him and decide, is this the guy that we want for our future? Or do we have to move on? Ralph Acchiano, NFC East reporter for Fox sports, covering all the teams in the division, joining us here on Grant and Danny. You mentioned a third round pick, both in the reporting and then even in that first answer you gave us. I mean, is that what you've heard the, the possible value is? Or are you speculating on what they could get? Where does that come from? You know, I think right now it's all mostly speculation. I have no um, thought that they would, you know, I, as far as I know, they haven't gotten any offers for them. I guess is there's probably been a couple of teams that might have called and said, hey, are you interested in doing this? But, uh, you know, one of the people who told me that maybe they could get a third-round pick from him pointed out that I think the, the 49ers, when they traded Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys, they got a fourth-round pick. Now, Trey Lance was a first-round pick when he was selected, but you know who do you think right now is the better quarterback? I mean, Trey Lance has not shown anything, obviously. He's had injury issues. Sam Howell's played for a year. He's shown he can win a little bit. He's shown he's tough. Um, you know, I, I would, and this person said, I, I think Sam Howell right now is the guy you would be more comfortable with. So if the 49ers got a fourth-rounder for Lance, why can't the – Commanders get a third rounder for Sam Howell. The truth of the matter is that it all comes down to, you know, how many teams are interested. You know, do they what picks do they have that are extra? Um, you know, where are they in the draft? Maybe a team is sitting in the third round, ready for a quarterback, and they don't see any that they like. And they say, you know, maybe we can get Sam Howell instead. He's a quarterback that we like. So it, it's kind of fluid on what they might be able to get. That's more just speculation. But you know, I can't imagine if again if Trey Lance is going for a fourth, I can't imagine it's going to be less than a fourth. Ralph Acciano with us from Fox Sports here on G&D. So, Ralph, here locally, we saw all the throws, right? I, I imagine folks would have access to the film and, and everything else. They're going to make that kind of a decision. But would the argument for here be there was enough good 
where he was trying to rise above a pretty terrible set of circumstances, an offensive coordinator that's not there anymore that's now in college, a head coach that doesn't have a job, uh, a previous regime that's pretty much been been let go almost altogether, probably not a great offensive line or, or set of skill guys that didn't really fit what he was doing and still was okay at times. Is that, That's kind of the rosier picture of it. Is that kind of the case for why someone would be interested in Sam Howell? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, look, there, there are issues, right? Cause, you know, he threw 21 interceptions, right. and that's not a good thing. Um, a lot of quarterbacks, uh, Peyton Manning famously threw a ton of interceptions his first year. I know Eli, I covered him through a ton. A lot of quarterbacks throw interceptions early, and that gets better. But the upside of Sam Howell is you, there's probably just a handful of quarterbacks. Um, I don't know that there's 32 of them, to be honest, that are capable of throwing for near 4,000 yards that could throw 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns. Is that what he finished with? Uh, yeah, 21 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 21 touchdowns while he's being sacked 65 times. I mean, he was just under constant pressure. Uh, you know, I don't know that he had the greatest skill set. Uh, I don't know if this was the greatest offense for him. It was really his first year learning an offense, and he did all that and showed his toughness, got the experience. So, uh, you know, I think people see that and think, imagine, you know, looking through for 3,900 yards and 21 touchdowns, imagine what he can do if you put him in a better situation behind a better offensive line, maybe, you know, maybe the upside is higher than they thought. So I think that's what it is. I don't know that anybody's sold on him as, you know, the next great quarterback. I don't think that anybody would settle for him instead of Drake May or Caleb Williams at the top of the draft. But if you don't have a really good answer at quarterback right now, and he's sitting there for a, you know, a second day pick, you, you got to think about it because, you know, you, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks who are young enough on that rookie deal, who have the experience and who have done what he did in a bad situation. Ralph Facciano covers the East with us on GND. I was looking at some research someone had done on how many quarterbacks played 95% of snaps this year, last year, the year before, and you know, dating back over the years and how it all compares. And it does seem like the the backup quarterback is becoming more critical, which to your point might be why a team like the Jets is interested in Sam Howell. But from Washington's perspective, keeping Sam Howell also has merit. Now, I know your suggestion is maybe with a kid, you pair him with a veteran, whether that's Brissett or somebody else, and then Howell is somewhat redundant, I guess. But you know, walk me through that. Like, Let's just say you're Washington. Wouldn't you almost need a sweet deal to do this? Because otherwise, as you're pointing out as to why a team might be interested, Howell making no money as a former fourth, fifth-round pick is actually a great asset for the commanders, and you don't trade great assets. It's true. I mean, they're not going to trade him away for a fifth or sixth round pick. I don't think you dump him just to dump him. Uh, you know, I think uh, most general managers would think a third round or a second day pick is pretty valuable. But um, you know, I do agree with you. There's value in Sam Howell. I'd be comfortable with him as my backup quarterback. My issue with him for the commanders is again, assuming they are going with a rookie, that it's Drake May or Caleb Williams. My preference, I have no idea if this is Adam Peters' preference or not, or if this is Dan Quinn's preference or not, but my preference is when you've got a rookie quarterback, you bring in a veteran who's done it before for years, who can not only be the guy that can step in for a few games um, and you know take over if the rookie struggles, but also be a mentor to him. Uh, you don't want a guy who is young enough where he's still sort of fighting for his career a guy who's young enough where, I mean, Sam Howell is still trying to figure things out, right? He's only started 18 games. He does still, well, it's not, he's not going to be experiencing a lot of growing pains. He's still learning. Um, I would prefer a Jacoby Brissett, 
who's done it, who understands, you know, his place in the NFL now is probably mostly as a back. He's happy to play, but he gets it. He's there to support the the young kid in front of him. So that's what I would want and why, you know, if you do that, then Sam Howell's your third stringer, and that's just a waste to me. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, maybe Adam Peters would be comfortable with Sam Howell as a backup, but um, that's a tough spot for anybody who wants to play, who's really who thinks they deserve to play and is really still fighting for that chance in the NFL. It's a bit of a minefield to put that behind a rookie who's going to need to play because he's the number two pick in the draft. So, Ralph, also in your piece, you, you referred to Dan Quinn not saying the word rebuild, right? And, right. and I think it's very relevant to, to, to where I'm going here. For me, it is a rebuild. And I, I anybody that I'm going is not part of my plans two years from now is and I can get something for them, I'm spinning them. I'm I am taking that pick and and, and running with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So thinking about Howell, the two years that he's under contract are going to be my rookie starter, figuring out if he can play or not. And then by the time I get back to Sam Howell, maybe it's already time for him to go. So I would move him. What do you think the team is thinking? Because if they don't want to say rebuild, it's recalibrate or other words that start with re. That may not be part of their plans in, in that way. I'm taking whatever pick I can get for something that's not bolted down. They may not feel that way. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to move them. I, I think that they, especially if they take a quarterback at number two, I think that they're going to find takers for Sam Howell, and they'll move him, and they'll bring in, you know, they'll re-sign Jacoby Brissett. They'll sign another veteran. I think that's the smart way to go. It's what the way most teams go. Um, you know, obviously, they're so new right now. I don't know that they've formulated a complete plan and exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, but again, I, I don't think they would give him away if, the, if for some reason the best offer they get is a sixth or seventh round pick, then you keep the asset. You know, then if your rookie gets hurt, maybe you play him. Maybe a quarterback on some other team gets hurt in training camp and suddenly Sam Howell's uh, value is even more because teams start to get desperate and they want somebody with some starting experience. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a given and a guarantee they'll trade him at the draft. I just think at some point he's just – you know, he's an asset to them as in terms of what they can get for him, not what they would have on their roster. And, you know, they're never going to say rebuild because everybody hates that word. And it always looks like, oh, no, we're starting over. and It's going to take five years or whatever. But, you know, you and I know and everybody listening knows they're rebuilding. You know, they, they've got, what is it now, with the cap raise, 80-something million dollars in mm-hmm. cap room, a high pick. They're going to start over with a rookie quarterback. They're not looking at let's make the playoffs now, or let's just fine tune this. This is by the time they're back in the postseason, it is going to be a completely different looking team and whatever you, whatever R word you want to use for that is fine with me, but we, we know it's a rebuild. Ralph, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate the time, man. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. Ralph Vecchiano, Fox sports covers the NFC East. So a couple of things just to give my opinion on some of what he was just saying, wanted to get to the bottom of his reporting and, and his take on why he thinks Hal could be on the move, why he could fetch a third-round pick. Uh, first and foremost, I don't think you'd get a third-round pick for Sam Howell. I'd be dubious of that. That would be really enticing to me, which brings me to my second point. I wouldn't trade Sam Howell unless I get a really sweet offer, and I would consider a third-round pick a really sweet offer because to his point, if I'm drafting a quarterback at two, and I am, Jaden Daniels or Drake May, I do think that a veteran like a Jacoby Brissett or somebody like him actually pairs very well in the quarterback room. Now, you don't necessarily need that because they did go bring in David Blau as the quarterback's coach, who essentially is the 
guy who's been around a while, can answer every question, Jacoby Brissett-esque figure in your QB room from a mentoring standpoint. So they may have felt like we need a mentor who just recently played quarterback on the coaching staff because we are going to go with a rookie quarterback and Sam Howell as our backup. And now all of a sudden, the fact that your veteran has played for one season and is 23 years old doesn't matter as much because sitting in the room with them every single day is David Blau, and it's no different than having a 29-year-old third-string QB. He's just paid a coach's salary instead of a player's salary, and he's not wearing a jersey at practice. So I think that's something to remember here. Mm -hmm. But if I could get a three for Hal, and I just don't think that's realistic, the argument he made from his source about Trey Lance actually is kind of smart. Trey Lance had shown way less than Sam Howell. Sam Howell, the good, his sizzle reel, his you know what he's shown in the league, destroys what Trey Lance's sizzle reel looked like. The problem is Trey Lance, huge body, looks the part, central casting, yep. top five pick. 49ers traded the world to go up and get him. So naturally, they're going to need more to get rid of him than Washington. You're talking about just dealing a late-round pick, essentially. But all that having been said, I don't know where you're at. I guess that's how I'd summarize this for people just jumping in their car. I don't think they're looking to trade him. I don't expect to trade Sam Howell. And I think he's a really good backup option, a guy that comes off the bench and runs around and creates and makes plays and gives you, like, rich man's Heineke stuff. I think he's the awesome QB, two here, especially if you're planning on drafting Drake May. Those guys have a great relationship. They're very close. They're going to college basketball games together. Mm -hmm. I saw pictures of them a few weeks back. You know, if you really like May, having Hal might actually be super beneficial. Not to say he wouldn't be a great teammate to Jaden Daniels as well. So I don't know where you're at, but those are some of my responses to Avakiana. Yeah, I mean, he said he expects Hal to move. I, I was pretty surprised by that. Given the you know the course of events, um, I, I kind of tip my hand during the one question to him. I would, and I understand. I'm not just doing it to do it. I'm not doing it for a seventh round or, or a ham sandwich. Obviously, third round, I pull the trigger. I think I would on a fourth as well. My thinking is, I it doesn't really fit right now. If I have a let's throw it at the wall see if it sticks kind of situation, sure he can compete. He can be. He can hang around. And he'll be part of it. He's not part of my plans for the next two years. The, the rookie quarterback is. That rookie quarterback is going to have every chance to sink, swim, and everything in between, and there's no time, save emergency, where I'd be playing Sam Howell. And if that's the case, I'd rather have, you know, backup Billy, veteran Vinny, the Jacoby Brissett, Case Keenum tier to come in and, and hand the ball off a few different times. If I can spin somebody that's not part of my plans, I'm doing that pretty much over the, over the next couple of seasons. What's your level of interest 1 to 10 in trading Sam Howell then? Six. Wow. So you would rather trade him than keep him? Yeah. For a four? Yep. For a five? That's a little murkier. That's that's diminishing return. You get a four offer today for Sam Howell, you're flipping him. I am. I would do that. Wow. I think the backup quarterback job in the NFL is one of the most slept on and important in the National Football League. And I think... You know, we've, we've just seen that more and more now recently. Mm -hmm. I think that's for good teams. I think for teams in this position that's coming off three point. wins, I don't care about it as much. And if your quarterback gets hurt, your point is, and he comes in and plays well or he doesn't, you don't really care about the record. Right. Because the, the kid quarterback's not playing. Yeah, to me, the whole point of this season is Mayor Daniels or Williams somehow, if that, if that happens. It's one of those three guys is the entire point of this year. How good can that guy be? And that's all I'm finding out. That's all I'm figuring out. I'm doing, and every move I make is to support him, to empower him, to help him, 
be as good as he can possibly be because that's how my franchise climbs out of this crap soup that we've been in for 30 years. Fair point. I've got some numbers on how often quarterbacks play the entire season over the years. You know, to just look at some trends. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's felt like there were way more quarterback injuries and backups playing last year. Is it more important in this era right now to have a good backup? We can get into that. But let's get your reactions to what you just heard from Ralph Vecchiano uh, of Fox Sports, who says not only that he thinks Washington is going to shop Sam Howell and that they could possibly get a third-round pick for him, but he expects them to trade him this offseason. Grant and Danny on the fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's true. I mean, they're not going to trade him away for a fifth or sixth round pick. I don't think you dump him just to dump him. Uh, you know, I think uh, most general managers would think a third round or a second day pick is pretty valuable. But, um, you know, I do agree with you. There's value in Sam Howell. I'd be comfortable with him as my backup quarterback. My issue with him for the commanders is, again, assuming they are going with a rookie, that it's Drake May or Caleb Williams. My preference, I have no idea if this is Adam Peters' preference or not, or if this is Dan Quinn's preference or not, but my preference is when you've got a rookie quarterback, you bring in a veteran who's done it before for years, who can not only be the guy that can step in for a few games um, and you know take over if the rookie struggles, but also be a mentor to him. I can't remember where I saw this stat, Danny, but Sam Howell joined Jameis Winston, and I'm pretty sure it was in his 30-touchdown 30 interception season as the second quarterback ever with, I think it was 25 big time throws and 25 turnover worthy throws in the same season. Like you just guys, especially young players don't get that long of a leash to continue to start to get to those numbers. And he did it. There was a lot of good and a lot of bad. His numbers are actually comical to see them just side by side, 21 touchdowns, 21 interceptions Crazy. last season. You, you just don't see that anymore. That's your point. You don't see that because somebody gets pulled or there's an injury. Or nobody throws 20 picks. Nobody does that. Also, you just kind of stop at some point. Yeah. Taking chances, pushing the ball down the field. Like If you're a veteran, guys like Dak Prescott led the league with 15, 16 picks. It's been a lot of years since Eli Manning throwing 20, 21 interceptions would lead the NFL. It's just a different era where... Uh, you get to a number and you call off the dog. And again, it, this always happens when you mention Sam Howell. There, there's still that portion of the of the fan base that it's not his fault or how's really good or Some advocates for him. I think that's fair. It's well, a dependent position. Sure. And, you know, the team around him was bad. The offense wasn't good enough. The coordinator, the uh, you know, the, the running game at times, the lack of attempted running game, the offensive line being porous and, and average or below. You know, all of those things hurt him. Also, sure. Sam Howell left a lot of meat on the bone. Well, beyond that, I mean, again, you think of the, I can't remember exactly what it was, but Neil Greenberg passed this theory on in, in, the, in the Washington Post. It's like the tripod, the three legs of, of quarterbacking. If you're going to throw 21 interceptions, the numbers should be prolific. 
In other words, you're slinging it down the field. You're getting all sorts of big chunk plays. Paltry totals in that regard for how? Adjusted yards per attempt, 5.6 yards per pass attempt. League leaders are usually up closer to eight. Brock Purdy was in the nines this year for that. Just the, the point of the, the way to express it is, it's not as if he's pushing the ball down the field all the time, Eric Coriel style, and he maybe turns a couple over here and there, forcing it in the traffic on deep outs 20-some yards down the field. This is throw it short, throw it safe, throw picks. That's not great. If you're throwing it, if you're usually, if you're throwing it that short, you're, you're putting up Alex Smith numbers, 3,000 yards, you know, 13 touchdowns, Jason Campbell, four picks type stuff. Not, not for me, but that's one of the trade-offs that happens. You had nothing deep and a lot of interceptions. Eey. Sam Howell will be 24 for the entire football season this coming year. He doesn't turn 24 until going into week two, basically. He's still very young. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it a lot because he didn't play enough. Only the one game in that first season. You're talking about one full year of football. So I saw enough there. I talk all the time about needing to see the positives. I saw enough from Sam Howe that if not for the debilitating sack rate and some of the propensity that he's got to turn pressures into sacks that I don't think is going to go away, I would be way higher on his potential moving forward. But I do believe truly that he can play winning football in this league in short doses. I think he is a marquee backup quarterback of the future type. That isn't to say that he can't also start or have some good spells as a number one, or if, you know, something happens. That Gardner Minshew tier. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, something like that, sure. I mean, that's kind of the, the rich version, I'd say, of like what a marquee backup who can be good in spells looks like is Minshew got to start most of the year in Indy and had the Colts on the verge of the playoffs. But I, I would not be in the business of trading Sam Howell unless someone came to me and said, I'll give you a three. If somebody's calling me and saying, hey, I got a five for Sam, I'm going, it's going to take a lot more than that. You want to give me a three? And then they go, we'll give you a four. And I go, I'm not doing it. Hang up the phone. If they call back with a three during the draft, let's talk. Because we are inevitably just talking about a guy who's going to be on my bench. If you're giving me a three, which could be a starting center, maybe, if I draft well, a starting guard, uh, a guy who can make an impact on my defense off the edge, you know, as a third or fourth rusher, or in my linebacking core, a great special teams player, that could be a, a starting tailback with speed. That Otherwise, I don't have that pick. Now I just got the guy to go with Robinson and Rodriguez to help out May or Daniels. I, I've got to listen to that. I think third round's just unrealistic. The The Trey Lance point is really good. He, he had proven nothing. He looked like mm-hmm. a lost puppy, lost cause, and they got a four for him. But I think that has everything to do with what was given up to originally draft him. I think if if he was traded as a fifth-round pick who had shown what he had in the NFL, then he would have probably netted a, a seven. Mm. You know, or like if a, anything. The following year is seven. You yeah. know, I mean, it would have taken nothing. That was just because how recently the 49ers had given up the farm for him. But... I think I would just be really happy going into the year with Howell as a number two. What do you make of his point that you need the veteran backup and the mentor that you want that number two to a rookie who you're taking second overall Uh to be a question answering leader who has seen everything, you know, the old Colt McCoy guy kind of sitting there going, I remember a game like this in 1977, you know, is, (laughs) is that what 
a, a reality to you? Or because yeah. my point is that's David Blau. Right. I, I prefer it. I mean, to me, the more the merrier there, right? Where you got a guy that's going through it on that side. I know Blau's very is, is gonna be able to relate to you know, whoever the quarterback happens to be, because he was doing it only a couple of years ago, but he's still a coach. He's still on that side of it, right? To me, why wouldn't we just have something that's not going to cost you all that much that, you know, that veteran dude that has been around, that's been through 17 different systems that can help you with study habits because he's not a genius like David Blau apparently is with a photographic quarterback memory. So if if I'm constructing my quarterback room, which I kind of have the chance to do now if I'm part of this new regime, I'm going rookie quarterback number two, veteran Vinny, David Blau, you know, Tavita Pritchard, we sort of have that that menage. That's where I'd, I'd be focused. You've talked a couple times. Last segment we were discussing this, and you basically said, trade him because if the guy gets hurt, you're having a bad season isn't the end of the world anyway. Who cares who the backup is? Mm-hmm. That that is That makes sense, and that's fine in a vacuum for 2024. But Sam Howell could be here for a long time. It's not like he's going to get paid a bunch of money when his contract expires if he's just sitting on your bench. Why couldn't you play the long game with him and go, okay, yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter if he comes in or Jacoby mm-hmm. or I'm just going to name a random backup. Uh, if they sign, let's say, A.J. McCarron. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.J. McCarron or Kyle Allen are the, the backup quarterback this year. And you know those guys are just going to take a few, you know, $3 million or something minuscule. Sam Howell might get that eventually. Like, it's not like uh, your point is, well, eventually he's going to make more money or price himself out. Not necessarily. You could just have him continue on his contract where he was like the 47th highest paid quarterback in the NFL last year. By the end of his contract, which is only two seasons from now, now you sign him to a three-year deal for $5 bucks or whatever. He costs no money, and he's just your long-term backup, and he's here for several years. My What's wrong with that? Nothing, but my argument's twofold. It's not just that he's not really part of my plans. It's that I could get something for him. I'm not. I'm not trading Abdullah Anderson right now. You know why? Because no one wants Abdullah Anderson. You see what I'm saying? If somebody wants to trade me something for an asset that I have that's not part of my plans, that's my policy. Right. But I guess my point is, what is the value to you of a really good long-term answer at backup quarterback? Which is kind of what I was referencing at the end of the segment there, mm-hmm. where we have gotten to a point. I think you agree with me on this. Where, like, look at the Jets season. L- look at some of these years. Look what happened when Joe Flacco took over for the Browns, as an example. Mm -hmm. Like, we're now at a point where you need a really good number two. And if you have that guy on the cheap, it's a complete game changer. It it can be. That that sweet spot scenario, so it would be next year where, not this coming season, but next year, assuming my rookie quarterback blossoms. Or any year after that. I suppose. He goes down and Hal comes in and plays pretty well at no money. You know, you're saving instead of going and getting whoever Jacoby Brissett is that year for, I'm just making this up, but, you know, $9 million or whatever. Sure. I guess if, if, he, resigns as a, if he resigns as a free agent and he doesn't cost me that much money, then this beautiful backup scenario thing happens. I'm not worried about that. I'd rather have a draft pick and I'm going to go find my veteran because I'm with you. I, I, want a, I want that to be a, an expenditure where they go, hey, we got a chance to be pretty good. We can't be derailed for now. If the guy's out for the whole season, you're screwed. But if this is a, a few weeks, we can't lose too much ground. Let's have someone competent that's waiting in the wings. All in favor of, of doing that. I don't want to. You said the Jets the perfect example. They kept their draft pick around, and they had to go to Zach Wilson. Fart noise. Awful. But, but, but their you know? draft pick had not shown what Sam Howell already has shown. In other words, like it, I would say Howell at this point, the upside, the sizzle reel has been better than Zach Wilson's was through multiple years. Uh, this was Mike Clay who covers the NFL, ESPN NFL senior writers tweet. 
Number of quarterbacks who handled at least 95% of their team's dropbacks over the last 12 seasons. So essentially what we're asking is, you know, how many guys didn't come off the field over the course of an entire year? And what we've seen is the numbers are completely dropping off in the 17-game schedule. Yeah. Listen to this. By year, who played every single snap, essentially, for their teams? Number of quarterbacks. I'm starting in 2012, so you're hearing that number first that I'm going to go. 19 QB, 16, 15, 15, 14, 14, 15. <sighs> then we're up to 2019, 13, 12. Now, move to the 17-game schedule, 11, 10, 8. Gosh. I mean, that is stark. That is crazy. That is Jason. 19, 16, 15, 15, 14, 14, 15. Last three years, 11, 10, and 8 quarterbacks didn't come off the field. Some of that's fluky with guys like Kirk Cousins never misses a play. Achilles. But that's kind of the point. 17 games, more, more contact, more hits. Yeah. I just think that the backup spot is becoming more significant. Now, is how better than a backup you can just always go find and pay? Like, would you rather have Sam Howell or Mitch Trubisky, who's a veteran backup? Howell, probably. Okay, me too. Mitch Trubisky costs probably seven, six million dollars a year. Um, Mariota or Howell? Howell. So, so that's kind of my point. If you feel that way, you're probably saving potentially four or five million in cap space for a season to to roll with Howell if you re-sign him for no money. Than going with like that tier yeah, of guy. So that's but that's the part I don't know. I, I don't know about this no money thing. Well, we're, we're, he's going to resign in, in free agency for, you, for nothing. If you haven't played at that point in a few seasons, then you don't get anything. You can't make money. The reason Mariota, Trubisky, these guys I'm naming that are now the veteran backups, they've had a chance to start. They've all been starters. Sam will have had the one year and gone to the bench, and will be Drake May's kind of sidecar, you know, or Jaden Daniels is running mate. Uh, other guys like Sam Darnold is an example. Sam Darnold's a backup that, you know, next contract, he might get six to eight million dollars a year. Drew Locke, second round pick, same thing. I guess it's possible that Sam might make closer to three or four, but still about half of, of that money. Uh, good info from Ralph Vacchiano. Glad he jumped on with us. Double play is next. I do want to get into Biennemi really quickly before the double play. So we'll do that in a moment. And then the Beltway Blitz here on Grant and Danny at four o'clock. Eric Bieniemy has a new gig. He has hopped down a level to college football where he will be the offensive coordinator for the UCLA Bruins. Of course, <clears throat> Chip Kelly's been the head coach at UCLA the last couple of seasons. We saw Chip Kelly looking to get into coordinating all offseason at the NFL level. A lot of those college coaches want out of college football, especially the head coaches. Yeah. But – Bienemy wants to call plays and wants to build that image back up to possibly getting a chance as a head coach. And initially, maybe he'll have to do that in college. Uh, hopefully, eventually, he gets a shot in the NFL. But here's what I found interesting about this story. Pete Thamel and Adam Schefter of ESPN broke the news that Bienemy was going to UCLA. But they also put this out, doing a little lifting, I would say, for the Bienemy camp. I have no regrets with the commanders, Biennemi wrote in an email. Contra uh, contrary to what some think, 
and what has been put out in the media, I was not fired. I actually chose not to stay. I learned a lot, and that is always a good thing. I will continue to walk in my peace. I'm excited to be here and to coach these young men in football again. My expectations and desire to be excellent will never be turned down. I'm fired up. Let's go. But the enemy claimed to ESPN that contrary to popular belief, he chose to leave. He was not fired. I guess it's possible this is semantics in that he had contract left. All the coaches were interviewing with the new regime for their gig. And someone else had his job. (laughs) (laughs) They did hire someone else for his job. Yeah. But maybe he's claiming, like, he told them in the interview, I don't want to work with you. Hey, you can't fire me if I quit kind of thing. Possible. When I saw that, the first thing I thought of was the Anchorman meme. With Will Ferrell as uh, Ron Burgundy, where he goes, I do not believe you. I don't believe you. That, that was my first thing I thought Bing, of. Bing, bang, boom. <laughs> Whatever you say. I was not fired. It's like my brother got into a fight in high school. Uh, he got into big trouble. He got into a fist fight with this kid in high school. In gym class, no less. Okay. They were like playing basketball or so, who knows what. And it got rough. And they started punching. And he, he hit this kid and he fell over. Well, when he went to court, my dad had to go to court with him or whatever oh, for this geez. whole thing, and for like a ISS school thing. Sure, yeah. This kid was like a troublemaker that started the fight, and my brother was fine. But the, the reason I bring this up is the kid on the stand, like in this hearing for whatever they were doing with the school board and whoever else was involved, was like, and then he hit me, and my shoe slipped, and I fell over, and it was like very important to him to get out there that the punch had not been the reason why he fell to the ground. In addition to being struck in the face, I slipped. He's like, I, it wasn't Ryan that did that. It, it coincided was, with my fall. My shoe slipped, and that's why I fell. That's, good that's what it feels like to me. It's like this email is like, just so you guys know, contrary to popular belief, I was not fired. I chose to leave Washington. Yeah, the fact that they hired this Cliff Kingsbury guy, whatever, I'd already told them I didn't want their position. Where are you at on the enemy to UCLA? I don't know how many options there were up at the top. So I was wrong. Pre before this whole kind of carousel started, I thought that because the, there were so many, so few offensive minds, he was going to get a bump up and either be an OC well, somewhere or no, a head you coach. Had him as a head coach, yeah. I, I said that that's kind of my outside dark horse, not totally shtick, but basically saying like I, I think that because there's so few offensive hirings. Well, it just I, turned out they didn't. Nobody, no offensive guys got hired. I thought there was a chance Tomlin, who I've heard is tight with him would give him the OC job in Pittsburgh and kind of help him the way Rivera took the shot on him, Andy Reid's best buddy, last year. I believe he interviewed for the Steelers' job, but it didn't even seem like there were other OC interviews Mm-mm. at this point. Could have sworn there was one other somewhere, but maybe I'm wrong. Look, his style does not resonate with current NFL players, and either he's going to have to make an adjustment or someone's going to have to want that style in their building. Here's what I'm going to say for him at UCLA, though. I'm very, very happy for him to get a crack at the college game, because I think it'll work there. You never have to call a run play. I'm not making light of that. Like, go out and call all your pass plays. Do what you did here. But also, Danny, I think mm-hmm. you can kind of be a little more whatever you want to call him from a style standpoint. Old school, uh, of yeller, you know, in people's faces, kind of demanding of college kids who you're trying to shape and mold. Like, that is allowed at that level. Uh, some of the, the stuff that 
Urban Meyer got made fun of for doing in Jacksonville with water and all this other stuff. Like, you could do all that in college. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a success. I think it's going to work well there. I hope it does, honestly, just because he he could use a couple stacks of good. You know what I mean? Like, a move of his to to work out to his advantage or uh, have his rep changed a little bit. So, I'm pulling for the guy. It is time for the double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Netflix show review time. This is something you need to be out on, GP. Way out. They're, number one, this is not you because there are too many episodes. I've been watching it for weeks now. It's a couple, I don't know, I think I'm 16, 17 episodes in. Apparently, there's six or seven seasons of this thing, so it's a non-starter for you. Here's what I'm telling you, though. If you'd like to earn brownie points with your lady wife, suggest the show Outlander. Here's what Outlander is. A woman who's pretty. She's pretty. Finds a Scottish dreamboat. That's the show. So she's married, lives in 1940-something England, post-war. They're reuniting. They're having a grand old time. There's one little bit of a sci-fi element where she touches these, like, mythical stones in Scotland. Time travels back 200 years. That's the last time there's any kind of magic or anything like that. Then they just sort of don't mention it again. And six weeks in, she finds a new dude who is so handsome and chiseled, has abs. I don't know if they had abs in Scotland in 1743, but this guy does. And he believes everything she says, caters to every whim, gets kidnapped every five minutes, and they're fighting the English who are bad guys, but he's hot. And they do adult stuff all the time. That's Mm. the show. So my wife loves it, and I can't imagine why. Anyway, uh, but we've been watching it. She's already watched every episode all the way up to like season seven and it loves it so much that she's now watching it with me oh in real so like lucky you well it's one of those things where she's like no i'm perfectly willing to watch it with you and i'm like oh why do you think that is like i'd have a hard time finishing a show and then going back and watching it with her after i've just watched it but for some reason she seems to enjoy this one so very much but anyway it's pretty clear it's not for me it's well done it's pretty it's like well shot and like the actors are actually pretty good it's a bunch of people we never heard of but the british are the bad guy bad guys the scots are mostly pretty good it's all complicated but the end of the day it's this dude is a dreamboat and this lady doing adult stuff together that's the show seems like quite a show yeah how many chicken wings do you get that's a that's a it's a mm, she might be listening i'm gonna say it's a five and a half carbohydrates out of ten for me wow so there are elements that, that keep me intrigued they do by the way this show's butt old yeah it's been around I, for a while i saw it when i was scrolling the other day i'm like oh this is the show danny was talking about yeah I mean, it's been out for years. Well, there I don't know are, how you guys stumbled onto this. Well, thing. there are. So my mother-in-law loves it. I can't, I can't imagine why. And we visited the castle in Scotland. So it was the castle from from the first episode of Game of Thrones. But what they're really known for is this show. It's like the home of this show. Oh, okay, is this is this Scottish castle, Castle Yuck, whatever, right? So like that's where most of the show takes place in the first uh, first season. And it's really pretty and everything's nice, whatever. But uh, yeah, they uh, they love it. So if you've got someone in your life, so there's to me there's three tiers, okay, of, of some candy for the ladies. There's that Yellowstone tier where Rip is on the show, who punches everybody, is a badass, but then like tolerates and loves the one crazy lady. Then there's Bridgerton where everybody's a dreamboat, yeah. right? Where he's like, I'm very proper, but I'm so handsome. I'm very light skinned and handsome. You know, it's like that's like the whole show. Then this one is like rugged Scottish dreamboat guy. So there's your candy. Hang on with it. We've got tickets to see Three Sheets to the Wind at Capital One Hall. You can win those tickets as soon as we return at the top of the hour right here on G&D ahead of the Beltway Blitz.
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.